Thanks for listening to the Cruise Corner Podcast. This is your host, Lonnie, bringing you Episode 3, Belonging Again. For those of us that were in the military, the transitioning out uh, just to become like a civilian again, that whole process, uh, for many of us ended up being really a challenge in itself especially for those of us that felt like the military was really our first shot at feeling like we belonged to something, especially something greater than ourselves, or like we basically had a, just a really big family. And uh, I'd never felt more accepted or further from being alone back when I was in the military. And even in those moments when I found myself being physically alone, I always knew I had somebody I could call. There was always somebody I could turn to if I needed help. And from my experience as a soldier and as a veteran, I was able to see and experience really how essential the bonding in the military is. And while I was deployed to Afghanistan, I was able to see how close people could become when they were able to put things like race or gender, uh, class, religion, things of that nature aside. And once you experience a connection like that, it becomes really difficult to re-enter a portion of society where there's just so many prejudices and so much hate rooted in uh, just being different and not being part of the right group. And people refuse to really cast aside opinions or beliefs and just kind of continue to live with a very severe and obvious disconnect from the very thing that makes a community really thrive, which is our differences, the different things we can bring to the table. But in the military, we rely on one another quite a bit. And so we cast away the things that don't really matter when really the goal is just to survive. And uh, not everybody does this, of course, but I did see it happen more often in the military than I ever did as a civilian. And even though I would say that I grew up in a pretty diverse place, I grew up in Central California, so there were a lot of different people and culture and all that stuff there. I was exposed to quite a lot. Uh, while I had that, I know there were a lot of friends that I had in the Army that didn't. And so for them, the military was what exposed them to people in places and cultures that they would have otherwise never had anything to do with had they stayed in their hometown or just around where they grew up. And uh, discrimination most definitely still exists within the military. I'm not saying that it's not there. But overall, I do believe that we learn to work around a lot of things and support people that come from all different backgrounds and walks of life uh, a little bit more probably than the civilian population has to. And when I was deployed, I, I could have cared less about uh, what the color or gender of the person next to me was. I spent a lot of time up in guard towers and at entry control points and perimeter stuff. And I, I just, when I was out there, I didn't care what your religious or sexual preference was or what political party you belong to. Uh, none of that mattered to me. All I really cared about was whether or not you could use your weapon. And if you were going to have my back, if shit hit the fan. And I think that's what I miss most about the military is that, uh, I really, probably what I miss about just not being in a combat zone. Uh, when I returned from deployment to uh, my deployment to Afghanistan back in 2013, I was 
incredibly lost and I just wanted to be sent back. And I kept telling people I wanted to be sent back because the friendships and the bonds I had made while I was over there had felt more loyal and far more real than any other friendship or bond I had had in my life up to that point. And I genuinely believed that the majority of the men and women that were around me would look out for me. And on numerous occasions, they proved that they would. And I trusted a lot of the guys I had to serve with and spent a lot of time around on guard duty and all that and were in the motor pool. And when I came back, none of my civilian friends were able to understand why, even to this day, I would rather be on a deployment or back in the military than kind of where I'm at right now. And I always struggled to find the words to explain to them why I was more comfortable over in Afghanistan or in the military at Fort Riley or whatever, instead of uh, being at home, uh, back at my home record or whatever. Uh, and for years, I tried to explain it. I tried to get people to understand. And I tried to talk about how I had gone from living at a place like a FOB, uh, where your days are really driven by tasks and schedules and you know where to be and what to do and what uniform at what time and all that stuff is kind of set out uh, to where you're back home and you're kind of just thrown back into the life that you left behind. And I tried to explain what it felt like uh, when there was like this expectation that you were supposed to just blend right back in as though you had never left. And uh, when I returned after being gone for nine months, uh, within days, I was suddenly kind of required to figure out like just regular everyday things. I'd gone from living on a base where like you're just worried about like security and truck parts and dispatches and stuff like that to trying to figure out the grocery list at the store or where to run errands and what to do and when to pay the bills and all these things that probably seem pretty small and mediocre to people that haven't served or been on a deployment. But what I found was that those little things really start to stack up. And uh, the toughest thing was being expected to just be a spouse again. Uh, I was supposed to act like time had stopped simply because I had gone away. And the reality was that I struggled to find my place and all those uh, things that people would see as small and mediocre are just sort of uh, insignificant aspects in your life after you live somewhere in a, like in a combat zone. And I really didn't care about like what cereal was on the list to go look for or what furniture we needed to get for our new apartment or uh, I didn't really care what people were watching on Netflix or what new shit had come out. I didn't care about the new outfits of friend or two or whoever had bought uh, or the latest date they had gone on or that people were stressed over things like finals and upset that uh, somebody discontinued a flavor at the local donut shop, like all this stuff. I just didn't care about it. I didn't want to be a uh, part of any of it. And a lot of that was because I started to find that when I was leaving work each day to go back home to an empty apartment, I felt a lot lonelier than I had when I was thousands of miles away from home and overseas. And uh, after our deployment had ended, a number of us that had deployed together did try to remain close, but it didn't seem like we were ever as close as what we were when we were in a foreign territory. But we still had that special bond. We still had that deep connection we could share. And uh, it was 
a deeper connection with each other than with the people we had left back home. And uh, I know for myself and a lot of other people, that's where you start to have issues with like your spouse or family members is because you kind of want to be back with your buddies more than them. And they think it's a personal thing or whatever, and it's not. But uh, uh, I also found that when a number of us got out, especially like when the people I deployed with that I had uh, had to say goodbye to before I got out, like the people that ETS before I did, I found I really started to struggle in my last year in the service as my buddy started to PCS and ETS and all that stuff because I couldn't really connect with the the new soldiers coming in. We had a lot of uh, like an influx of just all these new soldiers that were straight out of training that had never deployed, specifically hadn't deployed with us if they had ever deployed it. So there was just this weird disconnect, even with people that wore the same uniform and did do the same job. Uh, I really sought out those people that I had spent that very specific and uh, special time of my life with. And when we did kind of say our goodbyes and people went to wherever they were going to go, we did try to stay in contact and all that stuff as best we could over the great distances. And we tried to care for one another. We tried to talk and all that. Uh, but it felt like as we kind of drifted apart, uh, it felt like our little family or our tribe had kind of been torn apart. And that's when a lot of people seemed to struggle with adapting and the transition got really tough. And I had heard about more soldiers committing suicide once they had left the service than when they were serving. Granted, there are occasions when it does happen. I knew a number of people that died on active duty due to suicide, but most of the time it was after that person had spent uh, some time back in the civilian world or back home after a deployment. And for those that experienced trauma during their service, myself included, uh, we didn't really seem to be as afflicted by things like our depression and anxiety and all that until after we got out. And uh, for some of my friends, and for me included, uh, the real suffering from things like depression and anxiety didn't really surface until we were isolated and kind of felt like we were battling our pain on our own. I had a number of buddies that started to have a lot of issues and show symptoms of uh, post-traumatic stress after they had left the service, and they didn't realize how much they had been affected by things until uh, they were home alone and had time to think about it. And I was really reminded once I returned to civilian life what uh, kind of why I wanted out of it in the first place. I kind of rediscovered how lonely and depressing of a place it could be, especially after you've had the opportunity to experience the bonds like we do in a combat zone or just after hours upon hours or years of being at each other's side. And for me, while I was in the army, even though things didn't always make sense, there were some times where it was just like, what are we doing? Uh, there still felt like there was some sort of a system hidden within all the chaos. You expected things to go a certain way, therefore you plan for it. And in any moment that you found yourself in a world of shit or just trekking through hell, you could expect to have somebody to experience and uh, really embrace the suck right alongside you. And while it might sound dumb, I got used to having someone beside me. I really learned to depend on the battle buddy system that you're supposed to have while you're in the military. 
And I got used to experiencing pain and anxiety and fear and just sort of the unknown, all of that stuff with somebody by my side. And I didn't have that after I got out. And that was as lonely as lonely can be. And it was really that loneliness that began to uh, make me really fall apart. That's when the depression hit. That's when the anxiety really uh, had taken hold. Uh, that's when the thoughts of suicide started to creep in and when a series of very poor choices began to be made. And when I lost those bonds and those connections, uh, it didn't really take long to start to self-destruct. It didn't take any time for me to begin punishing myself for adapting poorly or for struggling to transition. And even though I had all these resources available when I was getting out, like how to go to school and how to write a resume, how to start a job or be an entrepreneur, I didn't have any tools for surviving the lows. I didn't know how to deal with the uncertainties, and I sure as hell didn't know how to really survive myself. So I just did what I, I knew how to do from the army, and that was to drink and to take the pills they had introduced me to, which was really doing more, uh, nothing more than just kind of placing a Band-Aid over a festering wound. Uh, it was never about dealing with like the actual underlining issue or getting to the source of what was dragging you down. It was just about uh, cover it up and push forward. And so I started to feel really overwhelmed during my last year on active duty. And uh, I did my best, like many of us do, to try to keep it hidden because I was worried that I'd be treated differently for just acknowledging that I was struggling there was that part of me that was really embarrassed for feeling the way that I did. And another part of me that just felt worthless, not just as a soldier, just, but as a human being. And I managed to keep a lot of stuff to myself for quite some time until I started to get dangerously low, uh, so low that I nearly failed to come back from it. My transition from active duty to civilian, it was a lot different from my buddies, a lot different from the people I knew. And that was because almost like, I think within a month after ETSing, I ended up getting divorced. So I not only had to learn how to cope outside the military again, but I also had to get used to being uh, very much alone uh, in my home everywhere. And on top of all that, I relocated to Florida because I got talked into joining the Army Reserve and Florida was a state that I had not stepped foot in for about two decades. So that really isolated me even more. I didn't know of any veterans or active friends that were there. I didn't know family. There was nobody in Florida that I knew. And so that was a bad choice. <laughs> we'll just say it. But uh, I never wanted to join the reserve. So, I mean, that kind of, that added to the unhappiness for sure. But uh, I had been convinced that I needed it. And part of the out processing and like when it was the ACAP program, I think it's like soldier for life now or something like that. But uh, part of that whole out processing was talking to a counselor, talking to somebody about possibly transferring to the reserve or uh, reconsidering enlistment. Uh, and all that stuff, going over some options. And I had initially walked into the office with it in my head that I was just going to be like, no thanks, done playing Army, 
don't want to do it anymore. I'm tired of taking the green weenie. Like, I just want to move on with my life. But uh, I made the mistake of mentioning that my husband and I were in the process of filing for a divorce when the counselor tried playing the whole family card to change my mind about getting out. And uh, me bringing up the divorce didn't do anything but give that person all the ammunition they needed to convince me uh, that I would be screwed basically without the army, that I would, wouldn't just be losing a husband around this time. I'd be throwing away health care and dental and a guaranteed paycheck and legal assistance and all these things. And that just added to my growing insecurity. I never really struggled with being institutionalized. At least I didn't think that I was institutionalized uh, like a lot of people are when they've spent pretty much the majority of their lives in or just a lot of years in the military. But my struggle did really root from the loneliness and the sudden lack of purpose you have and like the lack of duty uh, and the confusion about your identity because I was not really sure who I was outside the uniform anymore. And uh, it was also just due to that inability to connect with anyone after I got out because when it came to people, I held this expectation of how they were supposed to be and uh, found that if our relationship didn't match those bonds that I'd grown accustomed to having with people in the military, I didn't really put in the effort to build any rapport. I didn't want to get to know them. I wanted exactly what I had had and I couldn't find it. And I guess you could say I put the bar just a little too high or more than a little. And uh, it was an unrealistic thing. And so like everybody I met once I got out, like they were not the people from my deployment. They were not the people I'd spent time overseas with. And so I just, I didn't care about them or getting close to them. And I did try to go to the VA for help. Uh, I did reach out to them. I showed up a lot to try to get care, but I learned really early on, I couldn't depend on them. And I had to find other ways to look after myself. And so where I began to find myself again was giving value to my struggles. And I know people will say you're not supposed to like probably do that. <laughs> uh, you're not your disorder. You're not your trauma, whatever. But for me, uh, even though my anxiety and my depression are obviously they're not skills, uh, they did teach me about what I could survive when I looked at what they kind of stem from and they taught me I could carry on after a loss or after trauma or after uh, grief. And so writing became this very necessary outlet for me. Uh, talking about my struggles helped me through them. And it was really just a way to purge the thoughts and the emotions and all these things that I felt like were pulling me down and it became a way to share my experience in hopes that it would help somebody else, that it would lift someone else up, or maybe uh, show people they're, they're not as alone as they think they are. And where it really helped me to start writing and eventually podcasting and all this other stuff uh, was to stop focusing on my suffering in a way that I saw it as a burden and I started looking at the ways, uh, just kind of what I had learned from the suffering, what I could do with it. And I found that there were a lot of veterans who, like me, were suffering quietly and they didn't really know what to do. So I guess in finding the strength to put my issues and my struggles out there, I was kind of able to find purpose again. I was 
able to give meaning to the anxiety and the depression rather than just allowing myself to be consumed or destroyed by it. And I, I couldn't get rid of it. It was, it felt like it was there to stay. So I just kind of did the best that I could with it. And I'll admit, I was very apprehensive about putting my life out there. I was uh, worried it would be viewed as a poor attempt at receiving attention. I expected backlash and a lot of criticism, and I assumed people would attack my service because they had in the past, and that my stories about deployment and serving with a cavalry unit or just the struggles with mental illness weren't going to be taken seriously. And there have been those people that have criticized me and my stories pretty harshly. And uh, I'd be lying if I said I haven't had my ass torn into over some of the things I talk about or share. But there have also been people that have found comfort in what I've had to say. Uh, and in turn for like maybe where I help them, they've offered their company to me or offered to help me if I ever need it. So I guess you could say I sort of found a tribe again because of opening up. And in regards to the VA, I I still don't really use them. Uh, they've helped me with some stuff, but they've neglected me a lot as well. And I've shown up at their doorstep a lot asking for help just to kind of be brushed off or uh, not listened to. Like I would bring up an issue that I was having and tell them specifically what was wrong. And they would just be like, oh, no, you just suck at life, basically. And that's why you're having struggles. Like, that's it. And, uh, and they started persuading me and convincing me, I guess I should say, uh, started convincing me that I was just broken beyond repair. So I kind of saw it as a toxic thing. So I had to get away from it. And so uh, the efforts I've had at trying to reach out and discuss mental illness just on my own and talk about the struggles I had with becoming a civilian again, helped me feel less alone because it connected me to a lot of people. It kind of brought me into the veteran community. And uh, if I had never decided to open up, I there would be a lot of veterans that I, I really depend on today that I interact and communicate with a lot. Uh, they would not be in my life. And so I don't really know where I would be other than probably pretty close to where I was when I first got out, assuming I would even be alive. And I have to say that the most rewarding thing about opening up and just telling the story uh, has been knowing that it means something to someone, uh, which pushes me to keep combating the war within. And I know a lot of people think that they're not doing well with what whatever efforts they're putting out there. If they're not, uh, you don't have like a huge following or tons of likes on everything you share. Or you don't have like a billion people following you on your podcast. Uh, we we look at numbers too much, and a lot of that is just this era of social media. If you're not getting responses or a lot of thumbs up, like you're not doing good, but that uh, somebody's always listening. Somebody's always watching you, even if they're not telling you that or you can't see what you're doing like for other people, somebody is gaining something from what you're doing. And so uh, even though people might not saying it, the efforts you're putting in and the stuff you're trying to do, especially those of us that are trying to bring awareness to things and all that uh, and prevent things like uh, veteran suicide, uh, the work you're doing, whether you see it or not, is giving somebody else a reason to push forward. 
And so I encourage other people to just leave that mentality behind that we can't talk about how we feel, that we can't uh, show our struggles. Uh, you certainly do not need to have a badass war story to be able to share your experiences in or out of the uniform, because the story you share today just might be what convinces somebody to stay another day. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more episodes from Cruise Corner, make sure to subscribe. You can listen to episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. If you would like to be featured on a future episode, please reach out to our Instagram page at cruise underscore corner.